Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips. Rule Book by Tony Jones. Read by Nicola Bryant. The provisions of this Act, insofar as they relate to customs duties, apply notwithstanding that any duties are imposed for the benefit of the alone in a small, simply furnished grey room. Surrounded by computer screens, a young woman sat reading aloud from a book titled Applicable Levies, brackets import, subsidiary designated territories. When an alarm sounded, she flicked her eyes towards the largest screen, then lowered her book. Before closing, she marked the section she'd been reading with a blue pen, before putting both book and pen into a shoulder bag. She tapped at a console, then looked again at the screen. It showed a three-metre square platform in a deserted room. She tapped another key. The alarm stopped. From a speaker, a low hum emerged and grew louder. On screen, a white glow surrounded the platform as the young woman watched. Two aliens appeared. With their pale skin and exotic clothes, they looked just like the dead heroes, Perry and the Doctor. The alien stepped from the platform, the female turning to speak to the male. The watching woman adjusted a control to activate the microphone on the surveillance drone she was using. You sure sorted out those cyborgs, Doctor, Perry said. The Doctor gave a brief smile. The Veltor, the Doctor said. Maybe cyborgs, but that doesn't make them any lesser species than any other race. Yes, but they invaded the Alani, not the other way round. You managed to get them to leave without anyone getting hurt. That was terrific. Indeed, the doctor said. Putting the whole fleet into maintenance mode was rather successful, I must admit. It made it simple to send them back to their own territory. As you said, being cyborgs means they can survive the trip back, even travelling slowly. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get back to the TARDIS. I believe it's in the next bay. Perry followed the doctor as he led the way, neither of them noticing a small drone following from above. Where would you like to go now? the doctor asked, as they stepped from the platform and walked down a grey metal-lined corridor, pausing before a door. As the doctor touched the door controls, Perry answered. Somewhere warm, maybe? The door opened. The doctor turned to Perry and stepped aside. After you, he said, gesturing with his right hand. Perry entered a large room. Several strip lights illuminated a collection of plastic crates stacked along the wall at the far side. To the left, more crates. To the right, nothing. Wall, floor, ceiling, and nothing else. Perry turned. Where's the TARDIS, Doctor? she asked. The Doctor looked from side to side, then strode across to the space at the right-hand side of the room. I, I don't understand, he said. Why would somebody take the TARDIS? The Valtor are all hibernating, and we helped the Alani, 
Why would they move the TARDIS? The doctor paced. Are you sure this is the correct bay? Perry asked. This warehouse isn't that big. Is it the same warehouse? Maybe we transmit it back to a different one? The doctor rubbed his chin. I suppose it's possible, he said. Though this room does look very familiar. We could double-check the Transmat Station identifier code, but I think you'll find my memory is as reliable as ever. The Transmat code is VXB92, stroke 7, stroke B3. Perry and the doctor turned. There in the doorway stood a young Alani woman with the golden skin, dark hair, yellow eyes and thin, fox-like features of her race. She was dressed in the standard unfussy uniform of the Alani government and carried a clipboard. My name is Yorval. You are aliens with no visitor permits. Please complete these forms and return them to the Office of Border Regulation. The sooner we can process them, the sooner we can get you allocated. The woman held out a small stack of paper with no pen. Never mind the forms, Perry said. We filled in enough when we arrived. Where's the TARDIS? If you mean the blue capsule previously stored in this warehouse without permission, it has been moved to a separate facility, Yorville said. And why would you move my TARDIS? The doctor asked. Yorval turned her attention to the doctor. Your TARDIS? she asked. According to records, the capsule belonged to the doctor. He and his assistant Perry came here in it when they went to engage with the Valtor. All on Beedledom Three give thanks to their sacrifice, as does the whole of the Alani Union. Sacrifice? Perry asked. We're standing here in front of you? Yorval looked at the two figures. You two might be standing here, Yorval said. But the Doctor and Perry are no more. They gave their lives when they entered the Transmat to vanquish the Veltor fleet. But we're here, Perry said, her voice becoming strained. What gives? Yorval looked at Perry and spoke slowly as though talking to a young Elani. Under Elani law... All who are transmatted are dead. The process destroys them, leaving only copies to continue at the destination. We use transmats for freight only. Their use on the living is a crime. She shuddered as she spoke. Are you saying we're dead? Perry asked, almost shouting into Yorval's face as she did. Doctor, say something! The doctor cleared his throat. <clears throat> well, he said, I'm sure there's been a simple misunderstanding. If you can just take us to the TARDIS, we can be on our way. Yorval shook her head. As I explained, she said, the doctor and Perry have died and the capsule is now state property. You have no claim under Elani law. I'd like to speak to your superior the doctor said. I'm sure we can resolve this. Yorval waved the stack of paper she'd been holding all this time. If you fill in these forms, I can see what can be set in motion. You might be able to appeal to the deputy cogitator. If we get the various processes in motion, you might be able to plead your case in too. 
maybe three months. Months? Perry spluttered. The doctor reached forward and took the forms from Yorville. Come, Perry, he said. Let this young woman do her job. Once you've completed the forms, meet me in my office. The address is on pages 5 and 14. I have a slot free at 11th hour. Goodbye. Yorville turned and left. The doctor offered Perry the paperwork, which she refused, turning her back and muttering something under her breath. Come on, he said. We need to find somewhere to stay until our appointment. Oh, great, Perry said. Back to the temporary accommodation centre. It won't be that bad. You reckon? That was the last thing Perry said to him for several hours. Maybe if we focus on processing your paperwork, some of these concerns can be resolved, Yorville said. It was the following morning. Yorville sat on one side of a tidy desk in a small office. In front of her, a folder held several incomplete forms. Across from her sat the two aliens, the copies of Perry and the Doctor. The aliens had been arguing for the past ten minutes. As far as Yorville could determine, the male had spent most of the previous night trying to make a drink similar to something called tea and flicking through comms channels on the screen in their temporary accommodation. The female complained she had been kept awake most of the night, felt grouchy, and didn't know why they'd ever come to Beedledom 3 in the first place. Yorville pushed the forms back across the desk. Perhaps we can focus on section four, she suggested. What's the point? Perry asked. You didn't like the previous answers. It's not my fault you've never heard of the United States of America, is it, Doctor? Before the doctor could reply, a sequence of shrill beeps sounded from an unseen speaker system in the ceiling. They could be heard from outside the room, too. Yorville tapped her screen and started to read the various messages streaming across. Oh, she said, her eyes never leaving the screen. What is it? Perry asked. Yorville ignored the alien woman. Instead, she looked out of the office window, high into the sky. She pointed with one slim golden finger. Perry and the doctor followed her gaze. There in the sky, above the domes of the city, a fleet of starships was coming into land, perhaps 30 in number. Each was the size of a small cruise liner, and to Perry's eyes, shaped like an ice cream cone, with the pointed tail behind a rounded front section. Perry had never seen anything like them, and they were nothing like the boxy Valtor ships she'd been on only yesterday. Doctor? Perry asked. Yes, the doctor said. I'm not quite sure who these are. The design is like several races I've encountered, but... At that point, Yorville's pocket communicator buzzed. She placed it to her ear, listened, then nodded. Immediately, she said, putting the device back in her pocket. She stood, refiled the incomplete paperwork and locked it in a drawer. I need to attend a meeting, 
Yorville said. If I could direct you to the canteen on the public level, you will be able to get refreshments. I will find you there when I'm free. It shouldn't take more than an hour. Without waiting for a response, she walked to the door and held it open for the aliens. What is it? Perry asked. More invaders? Yorville looked directly at the pale alien woman. Worse, Yorville said. Much, much worse. Some three hours later, Yorville found the two aliens sitting at different tables in the canteen. The male, who still thought he was the doctor, was switching between public information channels on a display screen. The female, Perry, as Yorville had started to think of her, sat in front of a half-eaten bowl of green salad, on which was scooped an untouched portion of bean puree. Yorville sat next to her. Is there a problem with the food? she asked. No, Perry said. Food's fine, if a little bland. It's just... Perry pursed her lips and scowled in the direction of the doctor. What's the problem? Yorville asked. Nobody will tell us what's going on. Two days ago, we came to your planet, saw how the Valtor were exploiting you, and went off and sorted them out. I guess I expected a little gratitude, at least. But, Yorville said, interrupting Perry's flow, we are grateful. There's talk of a statue being dedicated to the heroes. Their blue travel capsule is being put in pride of place in the Museum of Beedledom Three. What more could we do? You could give us back our ship! Yorville sighed. I have explained already. Yes, Perry said, also sighing. We're legally dead thanks to saving you guys from the Valtor. How's that even fair? Yovel was unsure what to say and was saved from the challenge by the doctor. Can somebody please tell us just what is going on? The doctor asked. Who is it that's invaded Beedledom 3 now and how can we help? Invaded? We haven't been invaded, Yovel said. That fleet is the Alani Union Sector Security Fleet. They're here to fight off the Valtor. They want to meet with... Whoever is responsible for wasting their time. I'm to take you before the Grand Inquisition. And I thought we were just copies of the Doctor and Perry, the Doctor said. Interesting how you can now hold us responsible when things go wrong. I'm not sure the senior cogitator has been fully appraised at this time, Yorville said. She has a highly complex schedule of meetings and state responsibilities. Perry rolled her eyes to the heavens as the three of them left the canteen. A further two hours later, Yorval stood silent at the side of the Chamber of Inquisition between Perry and the Doctor. A long, heated debate had been raging between the senior cogitator, no less, and the fleet commander. Yorval had never been in the presence of such important people and was doing her best to stay unnoticed and do her duty as required by the Provisions of Protocol Volume 4, Grand Inquisitions, brackets amended. Perry had stood silent, apart from the odd muttered word Yorval hadn't managed to decipher. 
The doctor needed more restraining and had already been told, under the threat of a due diligence audit, to keep quiet until required to speak. Behind him stood two Inquisition guards, their armoured presence reminding him to do exactly that. Yorval listened to proceedings, waiting her cue to bring the aliens forward. The fact remains, the fleet commander said, my ships diverted here to Beedledom Three upon receipt and due consideration of a formal request for assistance. The cost of fuel alone amounts to in excess of 2.7 billion credits. Never mind the cost of my troops. Somebody has to accept responsibility. The fleet commander was tall, even by Alani standards. He stood head and shoulders above the much older senior cogitator, an elderly lady of great dignity, uncomfortable at being addressed as an equal in her own chamber of office. We have the aliens responsible for the removal of the Valtor, the senior cogitator said. I suggest you ascertain their credentials and make claims for reparation to them or to their government. Yorval stood straight. This was her cue. She signalled the guards, and together they escorted Perry and the doctor to the front of the chamber. The debate continued as they walked. But, the fleet commander said, they were clearly acting as agents on behalf of the duly formed governing council of Beedledom Three. Therefore, the claim rests with you, senior cogitator. Perhaps I can be of assistance, the doctor said. My companion Perry and I happened to arrive on your lovely planet. We saw it as our duty to help out and had no idea if and when you would be arriving. Surely you can see that. All I can see is the wasted fuel and time better spent elsewhere, the fleet commander said. There then followed a three-way debate between the doctor, the senior cogitator and the fleet commander. Yorval pulled Perry back from the centre stage and tried to look invisible. How dare this alien speak like that to such important people? Did he have no regard for the rules of protocol? How long is this nonsense going to continue? Perry asked Yorval discreetly, leaning across to whisper into her ear. Nonsense. What nonsense? Yorval said, also whispering. This nonsense. Perry said, nodding towards the doctor and the arguing Alani. Before Yorval could reply, Perry strode forward. If I might point out, Perry said in a loud voice that echoed around the large stone chamber. Everyone turned to look. We used the freight transmat system to reach the Valtor fleet. Well? Perry paused for dramatic effect. Under your law, we're dead! Legally dead. How can we pay for your fleet? It wasn't us. Perry smiled. The doctor looked at Perry. Yorval looked at Perry, then across to the senior cogitator. The senior cogitator looked at Perry, then at the doctor, then at Yorval. Yorval's heart raced. She would never live this down. Well then, the fleet commander said, smiling. As I said... The Governing Council will settle our account, and my fleet and I will return to our duties elsewhere. Wait, the senior cogitator said. I have a suggestion. 
What if you took the travel capsule the doctor arrived in? Our scans show it is of advanced technology. Even though we can't open it, I am sure the great contemplators of the Alani Union High Command will be able to discover its secrets. It must be worth far in excess of the sum you are talking about. Besides, think of the glory. Uh, now, wait a moment, the doctor said. That's my ship. The senior cogitator looked at the doctor. No, it isn't. As your colleague has reminded us, you aren't the doctor. The vessel belongs to the state to dispose of as it wishes. Guards! With that, she dismissed the doctor, Perry, and Yorval, and the Inquisition guards led them away. Thanks for that, Perry, the doctor said. I was only trying to help. Perhaps next time you might try leaving it to me. Well, you didn't seem to be getting anywhere. Maybe we can go to this Alani homeworld and talk to them about getting the TARDIS back. And how do you suggest we do that? Hitch a lift, perhaps? As they left the chamber and were escorted back to the elevators, Yorval received a message on her communicator. Good news, she said. I applied for an emergency credit loan. You can move to a nearer accommodation block while we sort out your paperwork. Yorval was disappointed. Neither Perry nor the doctor seemed pleased. I think there are more important matters to worry about, Perry said, like getting the TARDIS back. Yes, the doctor said. That commander seems to be keen to get back to duty. The fleet will be light years away from here before we can do anything. No, it won't, Yorval said. Without at least a level two emergency, the fleet won't enter hyperdrive inside the Beetledom system. Regulations. Well, at least those wretched regulations are good for something, I suppose, Perry said. Maybe we could just transmat up and go grab the TARDIS for ourselves. What do you think, Doctor? Well, the Doctor said, a little direct, perhaps, but the plan does have the merit of simplicity. But people don't use the transmat. It's just for freight, Yorval said. Even the thought of being transmatted made her feel queasy. But we're already dead, Perry said, so what does it matter? There are rules. Rules are dumb, Perry said. We need to do something, not just hide behind the rule book. Your whole system, it's just stupid. Yorval stood stock still. Her heart felt punctured by Perry's words. Her whole life was given meaning by the books of rules and regulations. How else could the wisdom of the Alani Union best serve its people? She'd never understand these aliens. Perry had walked away, grabbing the doctor's arm and trying to have a conversation with him as he pointed first at Yorville, then at the paperwork. Yorville knew there was something more she wanted, no, needed to say to Perry, but didn't know what it was. The elevator arrived. Yorville left the two aliens to the company of the Inquisition guards and made her way back to the office. Maybe she could find some guidance in the rules, as she had done when she first joined the office of the Cogitator. 
The following morning, Yorval stood outside the apartment where Perry and the doctor were staying. She'd been unable to sleep, instead spending most of the night in her room reading through volumes of rule books. None catered for the current situation. She knew she was missing something, but had no friends or family nearby to ask. Not in the middle of the night. The morning air held a faint chill. She'd missed breakfast and had been the first customer at a refreshment stand by the central transit station. She'd sat in a monorail carriage with a crowd of night workers on their way home before the normal morning rush. She'd paid them little attention and her drink had gone cold before she'd drunk more than a mouthful. She'd thrown it away and was still hungry and thirsty. She checked the time. Early, but not as early as when she'd arrived. She walked to the entrance and pressed a small button on a panel. After a count of 20, she pressed again. A further 10 seconds passed, then Perry's voice sounded from a wall speaker. Hello? It's me, Yorville. Can I come up? Perry didn't speak. Instead, an electronic chime indicated the door was unlocked. Yorville entered and took an elevator to the floor where Perry and the doctor were housed. After Perry had offered a drink, Yovel asked how she had slept. Better than you by the look of those rings under your eyes, Perry said. Yovel reached up and rubbed her face. She'd neglected her makeup in her rush to talk to Perry. What did you mean? she asked. Mean? Perry replied. When you said it was all stupid, what did you mean? It sounded like you were challenging our rules. Perry chewed her lower lip a moment. Well, you seem to worship the rules. You act like everything is okay as long as people just follow rules. Where's the compassion? You people are slaves to the system. Rules are just words on paper. But, Yovel said, we need rules. Our whole Ilani Union is based on our system of rules. They've served our people for generations. That's how our society works. You people have gone too far. Where's the freedom? Where's the joy? The humanity, or whatever the Ilani word is. You use the rules as a substitute for thinking. Without rules, there'd be anarchy, Yorville said. Who would know what to do? I'm not saying you don't need rules, but they aren't an end in themselves. Well said, Perry, the doctor said. Couldn't have put it better myself. He was standing by the entrance to the apartment. Perry glared. Did you find anything? She asked. The nearest freight warehouse with a useful transmat is several kilometres away. I don't think we'll find it easy to get in. I could help, Yorval said. Perry turned to the young Ilani woman, eyes wide. Really? Wouldn't that be breaking your rules? She asked. Yorval stood tall, and her eyes shone with passion and confidence. Sometimes rules have to be taken on balance. Sometimes you have to do the right thing. Perry smiled, and Yorval smiled too. 
problems could come later. An hour later, they were in the transmat chamber at the warehouse the doctor had identified. Yorval had used her identity card to gain access, telling the supervisor she was on council business. The doctor calculated coordinates while she set up various screens and programmed a surveillance drone. I can let you know what's happening back here while you get your TARDIS back, she said. The drone can follow you and communicate via the transmat carrier wave. I don't think it's going to be that simple, the doctor said. Although the fleet is still in system, it's already past the orbit of the eighth planet. Your transmat won't reach that far. Perry's face fell. So that's it, she said. We're still stuck? Well, I do have another idea, the doctor said encouragingly. Neither Perry nor Yorvel spoke. We could get on board the Valtor ships. I set them off at a very low speed. The ship we transmatted back from is still chained to the local transmat network. With a simple boost, I can couple the ranges. How does that help? Perry asked. The Valtor are all hibernating and the TARDIS is with the Alani fleet. One step at a time, the doctor said. One step at a time. Yorval sat watching the image from her drone as Perry and the Doctor moved around the Valtor ship. She could see vapour forming as they spoke. As the ship was in hibernation, life support was set at minimum and a layer of frost covered everything on board. From the drone's camera, Yorval could see the Valtor kept their ship stripped back to bare metal with no decorations or needless furnishings. These cyborgs had clearly followed their own rules too far. Was this a vision of the future of her own people? Perry and the Doctor had made their way to the ship's command centre. As usual, they were arguing, every word audible to Yorval back on Beedledom 3. So, Perry said, you can't reach the Ilani fleet before they leave the system. Some plan. Now, now the doctor said. We can almost do it. It's just the Valtor ship is in a rather advanced state of hibernation. I left it to travel back to the Valtor sector at minimal speed so its automatic systems could manage the navigation. So, why can't you go faster? Perry asked. Time. To get the ship's system back to full power will take longer than we have. The doctor looked up to the drone. Yorval, how long before the fleet leaves the reaches of the system and enters hyperdrive? He asked. Yorval checked her screens. No more than 30 minutes, she said. Right. We need a distraction, the doctor said. See if you can attract their attention, Perry. With that, he flicked a switch and pointed at a microphone. Yorval watched as Perry stared at him. The doctor started to access various control systems, leaving Perry holding her hands as though she'd just dropped something valuable. She walked over and leaned into the microphone. Hello, she said in a voice almost too low to hear. She cleared her throat and took a deep breath. <clears throat> this is the Valtor Battle Commander. Elani Fleet, stand and fight. 
If you are... If you do not, we shall return to your planet and invade all over again. This time, your friends cannot help you. Yorval watched as Perry looked at the doctor. Can they hear me? Perry asked. The doctor just nodded and carried on fiddling. He waved her to continue. I say again, Perry said. Fight or millions of Alani will become our slaves once more. Back on Beedledom 3, Yorval winced. She checked various systems, but there was no sign of a response from the fleet. Nothing here, Yorval said via the drone. Very well, Perry said into her microphone. Don't say you weren't warned. On a screen, Yorval spotted a set of messages from the Alani fleet. I think they're turning in your direction, Yorval said. Great. Perry said, smiling to the drone. They've also fired a volley of torpedoes. If you can't get your defences operating soon, you'll be destroyed. What? Perry said in a strangled yell. Yorval watched as the doctor changed the display on the Valtor ship to show the wave of approaching missiles. A soulless computer voice chimed in to accompany the doctor's frantic keying of commands. Twenty seconds until impact, the computer voice said. Projecting 63% destruction to this vessel. 12, 11, 10. The doctor pressed two small grey buttons. Holding, the computer voice said. Update. Incoming missiles now inactive. I thought the Valtor jamming systems might do the trick, the doctor said, grinning. You can always rely on cyborgs. Warning, the computer said. Enemy fleet approaching to close combat range. Plasma weapons being charged. Enemy has locked on and will be in range in nine, eight, seven. The doctor pressed a different button. A blast of violet light shot out from each of the Valtor ships and illuminated the Alani fleet. As Yorval and Perry watched the screen, the Alani vessels started to glow, then vanished into a cloud of sparkling dust. Seconds later, no sign remained of the ships or of their crews. Perry gasped in shock. What have you done? You've killed all those Alani! Yorval watched as Perry backed away from the doctor. Yorval did not know how to react. What kind of monster was this doctor under his gentle manner? A host of alarm messages appeared on her screens and she too gasped out loud. Let me explain, the doctor said. You stay away from me. I, I don't know who you are. What are you? Perry said. Perry, Yovel said over the drone relay. It's the fleet. I know, Perry said. I'm so sorry. You don't understand, Yovel said. They've just appeared in orbit, all undamaged. No injuries, no harm to anyone. Perry smiled and rushed to embrace the doctor. I'm sorry, <laughs> she said. I didn't... <laughs> Don't mention it, the doctor said. I didn't have time to explain. Once the fleet was in range, it was a simple matter to coordinate the Valter transmat system with the Alani's own and shift the entire fleet in the process. I even grabbed the TARDIS. She should be on one of the lower decks. Perry smiled and hugged the doctor again. 
You aren't leaving, Yorval asked. Somebody needs to explain what happened. There are more forms to fill in. You can't just take state property. The doctor turned to the drone. I think it's time Perry and I left you to yourselves. I think you've had enough interference for now. Besides, I don't want yet another bill for wasted fuel. Anyway, Perry said, think of all the paperwork they'll have to fill in. Now they've all been transmatted. Imagine the fleet commander explaining to his bosses why he should be allowed to carry on. Now he's legally dead. <laughs> it could take weeks to sort out the forms. Yorval watched as Perry followed the doctor to their blue box. The drone hovered by the door of the small capsule. Yorval wondered where the doctor's main ship could be hiding. As she watched the capsule disappear with a wheezing groan, almost loud enough to rouse the Veltor from hibernation, she sat back and smiled. What would it have been like to wander the stars with no pre-filed travel plans? Travelling from system to system, meeting new people, making new friends. Would it have really killed her to transmat with them and join their adventures? She smiled. She had enough adventure of her own to look forward to explaining the loss of unregistered aliens and state property to the office of the deputy cogitator. She grinned when she thought of asking the Alani fleet commander to declare himself dead and the protocol discussions as to who could now fly the ships if all the crew were declared dead in combat. Would compensation be paid to their families for death in duty? Were they due medals? Perhaps... Instead, she could start to change the system from the inside. Perhaps what was needed was a guide to the use of the rules in real situations. Travel could wait for another time. <laughs>